0: section thirty eight masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain some elements necessary to race development by robert russa moton commandant of cadets hampton institute virginia students friends among the most highly developed races we observed certain dominant characteristics certain very essential elements of character by which they have so influenced mankind and helped the world that they were enabled to write their names and histories so indelibly as to withstand and endure the test of time your education your observation your occupation have brought you into close touch and into personal and vital relations with the fundamental problems of life we may call it the truth problem the labor problem the indian problem or perhaps the negro problem i like to call it the human race problem the dawn of history breaks upon a world at strife a universal conflict of man at war with his brother the very face of the earth has been dyed in blood and its surface whitened with human bones in an endeavour to establish a harmonious and helpful adjustment between man and man there can be no interest more fundamental or of greater concern to the human family than the proper adjustment of man's relations to his brother you and i belong to an undeveloped backward race that is rarely for its own sake taken into account in the adjustment of man's relation to man but is considered largely with reference to the impression which it makes upon the dominant anglo-saxon the negro's very existence is itself somewhat satilicious and secondary only to the great white orb around which he revolves if by chance any light does appear in the black man's sphere of operations it is usually assumed that it is reflected from his association with his white brother the black is generally projected against the white and usually to the disadvantage and embarrassment of the former it becomes very easy therefore to see in our minds and hearts what is so apparent in our faces darkness there and nothing more but you must keep in mind that the negro is a tenth part of a great cosmopolitan commonwealth. He is a part of a nation to which God has given many very intricate problems to work out. Who knows but that this nation is God's great laboratory which is being used by the creator to show the rest of the world what it does not seem thoroughly to understand that it is possible for all God's people, even the two most extreme types, the black and the white, to live together harmoniously and helpfully the question that the american nation must face and which the negro as a part of the nation should soberly and dispassionately consider is the mutual social civic and industrial adjustment upon common ground of two races differing widely in characteristics and diverse and physical peculiarities but alike suspicious and alike jealous and alike more or less biased and prejudiced each toward the other without doubt the physical peculiarities of the negro which are perhaps the most superficial of all the distinctions are nevertheless the most difficult of adjustment while i do not believe that a man's colour is ever a disadvantage to him he is very likely to find it an inconvenience sometimes in some places we might as well be perfectly frank and perfectly honest with ourselves it is not an easy task to adjust the relations of ten millions of people who While they may be mature in passion and perhaps in prejudice are yet to a large extent children in judgment and in experience to a race of people not only mature in civilization but the principles of whose government were based upon more or less mature judgment and experience at the beginning of this nation and when we take into also account the wide difference in ethnic types of the two races that are here brought together the problem becomes one of the gravest intricacy that has ever taxed human wisdom and human patience for solution this situation makes it necessary for the negro as a race to grasp firmly two or three fundamental elements the first is race consciousness the negro must play essentially the primary part in the solution of this problem since his emancipation he has conclusively demonstrated to most people that he possesses the same faculties and susceptibilities as the rest of human mankind this is the greatest victory the race has achieved during its years of freedom having demonstrated that his faculties and susceptibilities are capable of the highest development it must be true of the black race as it has been true of other races that it must go through the same process and work out the same problem in about the same way as other races have done we can and we have profited very much by the examples of progressive races this is a wonderful advantage and we have not been slow to grasp it but we must remember that we are subject to the same natural factor in the solution of this problem and that it cannot be solved without considering this factor the negro must first of all have a conscientious pride and absolute faith and belief in himself He must not unduly depreciate race distinctions and allow himself to think that because out of one blood god created all nations of the earth brotherhood is already an accomplished reality let us not deceive ourselves blighted as we are with a heritage of moral leprosy from our past history and hard pressed as we are in the economic world by foreign immigrants and by native prejudice our one surest haven of refuge is in ourselves our one safest means of advance is our belief in and implicit trust in our own ability and worth no race that despises itself that laughs at and ridicules itself that wishes to god it were anything else but itself can ever be a great people there is no power under heaven that can stop the onward march of ten millions of earnest honest inspired god-fearing race-loving and united people secondly we must have a high moral ideal with a strong race consciousness and reasonable prudence a people with a low vacillating and uncertain moral ideal may for a time be able to stem the tide of outraged virtue but this is merely transitory ultimate destruction and ruin follow absolutely in the wake of moral degeneracy this all history shows this experience teaches god visits the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations the judgments of the lord are true and righteous altogether not long ago i stood in the city of rome amid its ruined fountains crumbling walls falling aqueducts ancient palaces and amphitheaters today mere relics of ancient history one is struck with wonder and amazement at the magnificent civilization which that people was able to evolve it does not seem possible that the roman people who could so perfect society in its organic and civic relations and leave to the world the organic principles which must always lie at the base of all subsequent social development it does not seem possible that such a people should so decay as to leave hardly a vestige of its original stock and that such cities as the romans erected should so fall as to leave scarcely one stone upon another neither does it seem credible that a people who could so work out in its philosophical aspect man's relation to the eternal mystery and come as near a perfect solution as is perhaps possible for the human mind to reach that a people who could give to the world such literature such art such ideals of physical and intellectual beauty as did the greeks could so utterly perish from the face of the earth yet this is the case not only with rome and greece but with a score or more of nations which were once masters of the world the greeks romans persians egyptians and even god's chosen people allowed corruption and vice to so dwarf their moral sense that there was according to the universal law of civilization nothing left for them but death and destruction it is no reproach to the negro to say that his history and environment in this country have well nigh placed him at the bottom of the moral scale this must be remedied if the negro is ever to reach his full status of civilized manhood and womanhood it must come through the united efforts of the educated among us we must be united to stop the ravages of disease among our people united to keep black boys from idleness vice gambling and crime united to guard the purity of black womanhood and i might add black manhood also it is not enough to simply protest that ninety-five out of every hundred negroes are orderly and law-abiding the ninety-five must be banded together to restrain and suppress the vicious five the people must be impressed with the idea that a high moral character is absolutely essential to the highest development of every race white quite as much as black there is no creature so low and contemptible as he who does not seek first the approval of his own conscience and his god for after all how poor is human recognition when you and your god are aware of your inward integrity of soul if the negro will keep clean hands and a pure heart he can stand up before all the world and say doubtless thou o lord art our father though abraham be ignorant of us and israel acknowledge us not thirdly and lastly the negro needs intelligent industry slavery taught the negro many things for which he should be profoundly thankful the christian religion the english language and in a measure civilization which in many aspects may be crude in form but these have placed him a thousand years ahead of his african ancestors slavery taught the negro to work by rule and rote but not by principle and method it did not and perhaps could not teach him to love and respect labor but left him on the contrary with the idea that manual industry was a thing to be despised and gotten rid of if possible that to work with one's hands was a badge of inferiority a tropical climate is not conducive to the development of practical energy add to the negro's natural tendency his unfortunate heritage from slavery and we see at once that the race needs especially to be rooted and grounded in the underlying scientific principles of concrete things the time when the world bowed before merely abstract and practical knowledge has well nigh passed the demand of this age and hour is not so much what a man knows Though the world respects and reveres knowledge and always will i hope what the world wants to know is what a man can do and how well he can do it we must not be misled by high-sounding phrases as to the kind of education the race should receive But we should remember that the education of a people should be conditioned upon their capacity social environment and the probable life which they will lead in the immediate future we fully realize that the ignorant must be taught the poor must have the gospel and the vicious must be restrained but we also realize that these do not strike the bedrock of a permanent lasting citizenship if the negro will add his proportionate contribution to the economic aspect of the world's civilization it must be done through intelligent well-directed conscientious skilled industry indeed the feasible forms of civilization are nothing but the concrete actualization of intelligent thought applied to what are sometimes called common things the primary sources of wealth are agriculture mining manufacturing and commerce these are the lines along which the thoughtful energy of the black race must be directed i mean by agriculture farming the raising of corn cotton peas and potatoes pigs chickens horses and cows land may be bought practically anywhere in the south almost at our own price twenty years hence with the rapidly developing southern country and the strenuous efforts to fill it up with foreign immigrants it would be difficult if not impossible for us to buy land god gave the children of israel the land of canaan but oh what a life and death struggle they had to take possession of it and hold on to it god has given to the negro here in the southern country two of the most fundamental necessities in his development land and labor if you don't possess this land and hold this labor god will tell you as he has often told other races to move on the creator never meant that this beautiful land should be forever kept as a great hunting ground for the indian to roam in savage bliss but he intended that it should be used the indian having four scores of generations failed to develop this land god asked the anglo-saxon to take possession and dig out the treasures of wheat corn cotton gold and silver coal and iron and the poor indian was told to move on the negro in africa sits listlessly in the sunshine of barbarous idleness while the same progressive indomitable persevering white man is taking possession the same edict has gone forth to the native african he is being told to move on the same god will tell the white man in america and in africa if he does not mete out absolute justice and absolute fairness to his weaker and less advantaged brother black or red or brown if he cannot do justly and love mercy just as he told the patricians of rome he will tell the white man to move on whatever question there may be about the white man's part in this situation there is no doubt about ours don't let us delude ourselves but keep in mind the fact that the man who owns his home and cultivates his land and lives a decent self-respecting useful and helpful life is no problem anywhere we talk about the color line but you know and i know that the blackest negro in alabama or mississippi or africa or anywhere else who puts the same amount of skill and energy into his farming gets as large returns for his labor as the whitest anglo-saxon the earth yields up her increase as willingly to the skill and persuasions of the black as of the white husbandman wind wave heat stream and electricity are absolutely blind forces and see no race distinction and draw no colour line the world's market does not care and it asks no question about the shade of the hand that produces the commodity but it does insist that it shall be up to the world's requirements i thank god for the excellent chance to work that my race had in this southern country the negro in america has a real good healthy job and i hope he may always keep it i am not particular what he does or where he does it so he is engaged in honest useful work remember always that building a house is quite as important as building a poem that the science of cooking is as useful to humanity as the science of music that the thing most to be desired is a harmonious and helpful adaptation of all the arts and sciences to the glory of god and the good of humanity that whether we labour with muscle or with brain both need divine inspiration let us consecrate our brain and muscle to the highest and noblest service to god and humanity there is no reason why any negro should become discouraged or morbid we believe in god his providence is mysterious and inscrutable but his ways are just and righteous altogether suffering and disappointment have always found their place in divine economy it took four hundred years of slavery in egypt and a sifting process of forty years in the wilderness to teach israel to respect their race and to fit them for entrance into the promised land the black man has not as yet thoroughly learned to have the respect for his race that is so necessary to the making of a great people i believe the woes that god has sent him are but the fiery furnace through which he is passing that is separating the dross from the pure gold and is welding the negroes together as a great people for a great purpose there is every reason for optimism hopefulness the negro never had more the respect and confidence of his neighbors black and white than he has to-day neither has he because of his real worth deserved that respect more than he does to-day could anybody amid the inspiration of these grounds and buildings be discouraged about the future of the negro the race problem in this country i repeat is simply a part of the problem of life it is the adjustment of man's relation to his brother and this adjustment began when cain slew abel race prejudice is as much a fact as the law of gravitation and it is as foolish to ignore the operation of one as of the other mournful complaint and arrogant criticism are as useless as the crying of a baby against the fury of a great wind the path of moral progress remember has never taken a straight line but i believe that unless democracy is a failure and christianity a mockery it is entirely feasible and practicable for the black and white races of america to develop side by side in peace and harmony and in mutual helpfulness each toward the other living together as brothers in christ without being brothers-in-law each making its contributions to the wealth and culture of our beloved country i close with these lines from an anonymous poet on the water lily o star on the breast of the river o marvel of bloom and grace did you fall straight down from heaven out of the sweetest place you are white as the thought of the angel your heart is steeped in the sun did you grow in the golden city my pure and radiant one nay nay i fell not out of heaven none gave me my saintly white it slowly grew in the blackness down in the dreary night from the ooze of the silent river i won my glory and grace while souls fall not o my poet they rise to the sweetest place end of section thirty eight